Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Snobs, the only watch podcast whose armies are the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. You have made it all the way to episode 199. Michael, what a sad, what, 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 what a sad event precipitates precipitates this episode 199 of the Two like, Broke Watch Snobs podcast. I like your tribute there. I, that was a pleasant surprise. I suddenly remember my Charlemagne. Michael. It is not. It is not the <laughs> quote, but it is certainly. Yeah, it's close enough. A, it's a perfect quote. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one ninety nine of the Two Book Watchers podcast is in dedication. Sad, but you know we're gonna try and make this as fun as we can. Dedication um, in honor of Sean Connery. Uh, if you did not hear the re- time of this recording, it's November first. Michael, happy November. Um, uh, Sean Connery, b- beloved actor, blah, 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 uh, you know, celebrity Jeopardy uh, contestant. Not really. Um, <laughs> before I get angry emails, no, Daryl Hammond, stupid. Like, yeah, you guys, if you can't take a joke, you're on the wrong fucking show. All right. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I couldn't tell. He looked, like, he looked just like him. Um, in honor of Sean Connery, if you did not hear Sean Connery uh, at the age of 90 passed away this past uh, this past week, Michael and I thought it would then be fun to honestly try and just do something in honor of someone whose body of work and attitude towards work, I think, influenced not just Michael and I in a lot of ways, but most people and just kind of almost what you'd come to expect from certain aspects of film culture, certain genres and everything like that. It's a body of work that I don't think people can see past sean connery impressions and those stupid snl skits like there was you know there was a a a proper there's a proper lifetime to give tribute to and also we are going to spend some time talking about it but there really is more to the sean connery discussion than james bond and the fucking rolex you know what i mean so we're going to do our best to honor someone who we've never met, but who has certainly influenced us, you know, with episode 199 of the, uh, the Two Broke Watch Now's podcast. You know what I'm saying? Inching closer. Getting closer to 200. What are we going to do? An inch can be a lot, depending on what you measure. That's what she said. You know what's going to be funny? I say we do episode 200. No, no, actually, no. I say we do episode 199 and then never record another episode ever again. <laughs> Do you want to talk about <laughs> Orological Blue Balls or Orological Watch Podcast Blue Balls? It'll be like 10 years to be like, whatever happened to the guys? I don't know. They just, they literally, the site's still up, so someone's still paying the hosting. The Patreon's still there. The, the, the Patreon Slack is still there, but they don't go on it. They just never, they just never recorded another episode ever again. It ends, it ends with Sir Thomas Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be crazy. But yeah, getting ever closer to episode 200, fantastic milestone. Definitely honored to dedicate episode 199 to um, memory of Sean Connery and just talking about him, the movies, the watches, all the stuff, his influence on us, all the great <clears> stuff. But here, before we do that, we got some tradition, some traditions of our own to get through here, Michael. Michael, for the 199th time, would you like to do an audio wrist check with me? Yeah, I just want to make sure I have specs pulled up. Go for it. Also, um, I'll, I'll take this time to, while Michael's doing that, to apologize to everyone for episode 198. If you listen to the entirety of episode 198, you deserve a medal because uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, episode 198 was me solo talking for an hour and a half. 
another installment in their wild, wacky history of Soviet urology. Um, 198 was talking about the influence that French watch manufacturer Lip had on Soviet urology in relation to the watch that I wore in last week's wrist check, my um, Raketa Big Zero with the 2609.HA caliber. So if you listen to that whole episode, thank you. You'll be getting your mail. You'll be getting your medal in the mail. Not really. <laughs> I regret being so shy when we saw them when we saw the booth uh, in Hong Kong, the the lip booth. I mean, I, I know it's a totally different company at that point. But yeah, it would have been cool to been like to go in there and try to like because the watches looked interesting. They had them in those little like windows, and they actually had like a like a, a relatively nice booth compared to some of the other. Uh, yeah. Folks that were exhibiting in Hong Kong in 2018, so we were we were too shy. <clears throat> we were just too goddamn shy. But here, what are you wearing for episode 199 of TBWS? Mike is in fall mode, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing the the Doxa Sub 300 uh, black one. Fantastic. Um, and I, I actually I saw a really good. Um, Okay, Doxa is kind of a different brand at this point. Right. Uh, they, they're under new management. Um, you know, the guy that originally revived the sub collection is no longer doing work with the brand. And, you know, people didn't really expect after the 50th anniversary reissue in professional Sea Rambler and Shark Hunter colorways. Mm-hmm. And then they did professional Sea Rambler Shark Hunter with the U.S. Divers Co. Right. logo. You know, after that, I, I don't think people really expected to see another reissue. Um, but they they actually did reissue this this watch, not not in this configuration, um, under the new management. Uh, it, they still call it the Sub Three Hundred Professional. But I saw a really good comparison uh, article on on Hodinkee. I think it was James Stacy did a good comparison. Nice, where he took the new one and put it side by side with the uh, with the older ones and just. My my initial take was um, like when these came out, I, I didn't know there was, I didn't know there were that many little changes. So um, mine, for example, has the scale in feet for the uh, the decompression. The newer ones have the scale in meters. Uh, oh. The font is a, the font is a little bit different on the dial, where you see the Doxa automatic and Sub Three Hundred Professional. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm. I, I'm so curious about these newer ones because I think if I were ever to get another Doxa, it would be a, it would be a C Rambler 300T, like so like the thicker case. Let me see, let me Google, let me Google it. <clears throat> but um, no man, I'm I'm still liking this. This is kind of <laughs> at the same time, this this is the kind of Doxa that will keep you from thinking about the brand ever. It, I kind of how I joke when I bought the Speedmaster, I stopped looking at Speedmasters. Right. Um, That's- but this is kind of like every every time I'm itching for, I don't know, crazy new dive watch. I just think to myself, you you have this dock set. And it <laughs> kind of pulls pulls me back down to earth. And uh, um, this is uh, a 42 millimeter with a Cosk uh, ETA 2824. Nice. Um, Man, the thing does not look or wear like 42 millimeters. No, no, it's because it has that tiny, tiny dial. Yeah, and that 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 makes me think of the people. So when this black lung version came out, people people went nuts ordering, uh, and it was it was very emotionally jarring because uh, I was 
I was doing this mental tug of war. Do I get it? Do I not get it? Nice. And I went to I went to the site and it was sold out. And then I went back to the site and I could hit add to cart. So um, <laughs> a ton of people were snatching these up and they got them and they saw the tiny dial and they were just like, Ugh. oh, that's funny. Um, and that's that's a big that's a big factor in terms of how it looks like when when you have it on wrist. It looks looks way way smaller. And it's very slim. It, it's it's around 13, 13 millimeters um, thick with with a big, big kind of bubble crystal that Huge looks crystal. like acrylic, but it, yeah. but it's not. It's I not. the last time I think I saw that watch was probably when we were in San Francisco, right? Yeah, that's probably. Yeah. Right. I think it was was that the last time we were together, Michael? <sighs> I think it yeah, was. I think so. That's sad. I think so. Yeah. That was a while ago. I miss you, man. I miss you too. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about doing with this watch? Mm. And um, I always said that I would keep it on the bracelet for good. But I'm thinking about putting it on a nice uh, Tropic strap. Like Tropic style oh, rubber okay. strap. Okay. That could be kind of cool, actually. Is that like a common yeah. combo, like a, a common combo that people do? Yeah, that's that's what I've seen. I've seen some doxes on that. I, I see a lot of people put them on those, those stretchy... Um, Erica's originals type mm -hmm. straps, but um, I like the look of Tropic. I'm I'm kind of liking those Erica's originals less and less. You know what I'm saying? By the way, I uh, like this is also a good point in the show to say you can direct your hate mail to tbws.contact.gmail.com <laughs> to the attention of I don't give a shit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of like almost desensitized to the idea of like this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to. Okay, I'm hedging, and I'm trying to not say gimmicky. Um, it it's kind of gotten to a novelty point of being kind of gimmicky. Um, again, I woke up on your fucking hate mail. When you guys do your own free podcast, you can say whatever the fuck you want on it too. <laughs> but I don't know if you get that if you get that sense as well. It's it's less of the um, it's less of the gimmick and more of the cost and process of getting one. It, it's kind oh, of that's right. We talked about to, that. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Get it. And well, the, the good thing is, I think because of that, you know, s other smaller brands have been innovating and trying to create the same look, just easier to get. So, for example, there's somebody I, I've been thinking about getting that type of strap and there's somebody called the watch steward. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think he actually makes everything in the States. I don't know how, but. Well, he Michael, does. you you are in luck because there is a site called twobrokewatchknobs.com which has a listener-contributed piece by one Jason Rushin comparing elastic watch straps. He compares Erica, America's... Let me, let me try one more time with, with fucking vowels this time. He compares Erica's originals um, uh, strap, the watch steward strap, and Nick Mankey designed hook strap um, in a 3v3 three, three three head-to-head. Let me send this to you. Huge thank you and a shout-out to Jason Rushin Rushin. R-U-S-H-I-N. I'm super sorry, man, if I'm not saying your name correctly, but um, yeah, he contributed this piece and it's incredibly valuable. Like, nice. I, uh, people have written in and said that this has actually been uh, very helpful for them. So I will send it to you as well. I mean, that one's 20, 25 bucks, the, yeah. uh, the watch steward. So I, I've been thinking about, you know, trying that out. Maybe, maybe not on the Doxa, but I think it would look good on the Turtle. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But for the Doxa, if I if I... If I change the strap, I think I'm going to try a uh, one of the Tropic straps from Uncle Seiko. I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. But uh, other otherwise, I'm you know 
still loving this watch. This is kind of, I don't know, a TBWS classic. Yeah, um, man. This this doc set, and uh, not to pat myself on the back, but these are really hard to find. <laughs> I, for for a while after, I thought to myself, in the future, these these will be tough to find, but I didn't think it would get this bad. I mean, they, there are three hundred of them, but they're tough just, to find, and every time. I feel like the watch enters a circle of discussion. There's always at least a quarter of people who are like, fuck, I should have just gotten it. Yeah. I should, god damn it, why did I, why did I wait? Pro, like, yeah. a, like a proper FOMO response. I'm very anti-FOMO, but like a proper FOMO response occurs um, yeah. with this watch, you know? So, um, I mean, you, were, you were part of those discussions. I, I, I was like, I'm going to get it. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to get it. You're like, fuck that. Yeah, don't get it. <laughs> So just we we bought this watch together. We bought it together. It was a group effort, you know. <laughs> Emotionally, me, hive mind, proper proper hive mind. <laughs> All right, uh, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I love it. It's 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 also great for you know the weather cooling down. Just keeping this uh, on the bracelet. Yeah. It, it looks fun. You're in fall mode, dude. Fall mode, right? Fall colors, fall mode. <laughs> is, it, is it my turn here? Yeah, for what do you have? Episode 199 for the 199th time. Uh, for my wrist check, I'm wearing another TVWS uh, staple. I'm wearing my Orange Star GMT reference WZ0071DJ. Um, honestly, I woke up this morning and just felt like wearing the watch. Uh, you guys have heard me speak about this watch a ton. People always ask me where you can get it. Um, they, they don't make it anymore. Um, they stopped making it a few years ago. Uh, in 2000, oh God, 17, um, Orient was fully acquired by the Epson Corporation. And after that acquisition, Epson, new Epson leadership had become a, a very aggressive wave of redoing in-house calibers and reissuing a lot of pieces. And that started with the Orient Mako 2. The Orient Mako 2 was one of the first watches to be released with the post Seiko Epson takeover um, caliber F6 movement. It's like F6 7 something? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's the F6 calibers, but these are the new in-house in Orient calibers. And they've been doing it. They've been reissuing all of their fucking watches. Except this goddamn GMT. <laughs> much, much to my frustration. Um, because every time they've done a reissue of a, of, a, of a previous like legacy Orient piece, like the Sun and Moon, uh, the fucking the stupid Bambinos, the the Mako, the Ray, uh, and then uh, in addition to reissues, creating new pieces like the Kamasu and the the Kano, whatever the fuck it's called, they've been doing these really beautiful, fun colors. I want them to reissue this goddamn GMT under the new F6, F7 in-house caliber line in fun colors because this gmt was only made in uh the blue that i have it and a limited edition version in gray but i like this blue better you know what i'm saying i don't think i've seen the gray one if you type it out uh, let me see if i can find it's a limited edition it's on leather it's gray with like a green accent i don't really like it that much oh i see it i see it you know what i'm saying yeah i like mine better. yeah i like yours more yeah so there's also the Orient Star uh, Seeker, which is more of a sporty GMT. It it leads me to believe that the F6, F7 caliber in-house movements, all the new iterations they're doing on top of that, it's probably A, too difficult for them to modify that movement for GMT functionality, 
or um, B, they probably just didn't see appropriate sales behind GMT movements pre-Epson takeover, and they made a business call. Hey, why the fuck would we reconstrue and restructure our manufacturing process to accommodate a GMT movement when before we got here, Orient was losing money on GMTs? So, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to see one, but um, for the love of God, stop asking me where to get one because I I don't fucking know. (laughs) I got I I got mine from shoppinginjapan.net shopping in Japan. I was I was for sure that you were going to get scammed by the way. It's not a very professional looking <laughs> website. I was like, "All right, well, <laughs> it's nice knowing your fucking credit history, Kaz. I'll just <laughs> see how that goes." It's cuz I think it's <laughs> I think it's a website for like a small brick and mortar in Japan, but mm-hmm. I placed my order on here. I got an email from a human being thanking me for the order and letting me know what the like shipping process was going to be. They sent me the shipping details like a day after that. And then two days after that, I had the watch. It was one of the most pleasant e-commerce experiences I think I've ever had nice. with shopping in Japan, you know, uh, <laughs> like .net. Uh, it, so, but I, the watch isn't on here anymore. I, I don't think. Yeah. Let me see. Orient... But this is where I bought mine. So for God's sake, stop asking me where you can get yours. I don't know. You can't get them new anymore. But if you want to at least look at the gravesite where I got mine, it is on. Uh, let me see. It should still be here. Orient Star GMT. Come on. Shoppinginjapan.net. Okay. Whatever. I can't find it. It doesn't matter. But this is the website I bought it from. I don't care. It's a free show. Um... If you did want to get this watch, honestly, you got to keep your eyes out on like eBay for someone selling it used. Um, I'm not selling mine. I did that once, and I had to go through a whole, a whole fucking Fifle Goes West adventure to get this motherfucking watch back. All right. <laughs> so no, I will not sell you mine. Stop asking me. Uh, I, I think I, I think I've seen them on eBay. You know, like used ones. They probably you know? yeah. There's no way you're gonna get it new. There's just, there's just no way. Yeah. I can't imagine you're going to get a new. You'll have to accept the fact that it's going to be you know, used. So, But that's what I'm worried so for this. You're, you're the original owner for this one. Yes. And then it got into this kind of polyamorous phase, and then it came back to you. Yeah, I was the original owner, bought it brand new. Um, and then I hit a time in my life where I'm... Michael, what's... I'm not very good at thesaurusizing right now. What's a more severe word than poor destitute is destitute severe edgar Allan poe on his last leg edgar Allan poe they 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 took my delirious ass they forced me to vote for someone i didn't want to vote for it and they put me in a paddy wagon they threw me in a field and they found my corpse and then now once every year some stranger lays a rose on my grave i'm supposed to feel appreciated it doesn't really matter but yeah i was at edgar Allan. that was a very weird that was a very weird description of memory of edgar Allan poe (laughs) by the way. I don't know why I went through all that. Um, but that's the that's the prevailing theory about what happened to him. They Someone found him drunk, stumbling in the streets. They grabbed him, forced him to like take part in some kind of weird, fake voter shenanigans, and then they just like dumped him in a field or in like a ditch or a ditch in a field, and then he died. And now, uh, you know, little kids read his stories or something. Yeah. And The Simpsons did uh, a Halloween special, and... Mm. Uh, that's the entire memory of Edgar Allan Poe. Boom. Roasted. That's it. But- <laughs> I, I did just find, by the way, the gray dial, 
new yeah. with tags on eBay. One thousand eight hundred twenty-five. Ooh, it's a lot of cheddar cheese. But the thing is, with the gray one, unfortunately, it's limited edition, so that's probably why they're like it's like it's it, it was it was created with the premise of being limited, like like a limited edition. So that's probably why yeah. it's eighteen hundred. Man, a few years ago, you could find it for twelve hundred new, the limited edition one. Bastards. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, so I sold this Orient Star at a time in my life. Yeah, that's where that whole tangent was going. Oof, sorry. Uh, when I was very poor. I was very poor, destitute. Uh, destitute to the point of, what can I do to afford groceries this week? Um, and so I, so I sold the watch um, and immediately regretted it. Immediately regretted it like... In a manner that I probably wouldn't able, I would never be able to articulate with words. But the second I put it in the box and taped it shut, and knew the next time that tape was removed and the box lids were lifted, the person looking at it would not be me. I had that thought as I was taping it up, and I immediately regretted it. But I, uh, there's no calories in regret, so I found the best thing to do was just to, you know. Get rid of the watch, still try and live. You know what I'm saying? Some some orange chicken for a for an <laughs> I'll just I'll just I'll suck the toothpicks dry, please, man. <laughs> I just need sustenance. Sold the watch, immediately regretted it, lived in fear and remorse for the rest of my days until I was eventually um, in an opportunity to uh, get the watch back from this exact watch, the exact watch that I parted with. Uh, to get it back from the person that I sold it to, but the, the prodigal son returned, and he didn't shun me. He was the yeah. better son. <laughs> You're me. lucky. You're. Li- I, I tried to do that with a watch that I sold. Uh, I, I won't say which one or, or to who, mm-hmm. because I think he listens to the show. But I, but I sent a DM, and I'm like, hey, man, that thing is looking nice. He's like, yeah, I'm not selling it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know why you're sniffing around my door and I'm not selling it. So you're lucky. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out that way. Worked out that way. My baby returned. So yeah. Um I'm going to you know what's funny? Let's do this. In the next 40 or 30 seconds, I'm going to answer approximately uh let's say 10 emails. <clears throat> No, I will not sell you my Orient Star GMT. No, I will not sell you my Slava Medical. No, I will not sell you my Orient Christmas Chrono. Yes, your Raketa Big Zero is fake. No, I will not sell you my Raketa Big Zero. Boom. That's about 15 or 20 emails, right? You, you so efficient. <laughs> that's that's all. We're, we're all about maximizing efficiency here at the Two Book Watch Now's podcast. Remember, <laughs> remember that time we didn't realize we hit a million plays until a year after the fact? Yeah, that, that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but here, let's do this. Good wrist check, a lot of fun. Two TBWS staples. Uh, oh, housekeeping. Go and check out the twobokewashnops.com website. Uh, TBWS contributor extraordinaire Baird Brown has uh, created a review for the Archon Sea Liner. Now, there's mm-hmm. something interesting that I think you'll catch uh, from the twobokewashnops.com website, which you should all go to, by the way, is that. We are not afraid to tell you when something sucks. The really annoying thing in the watch world is that every time a watch comes out, 
a lot of the watch journalists feel compelled to say that this watch is this watch fed a multitude of people with three fish and two fucking loaves like this watch is the next coming of whatever you know what i mean and this this overpraise I might be getting my fish to bread ratio wrong. I apologize if I am. But no, it's, the, close <laughs> it's close enough. It's close enough. It doesn't matter. <laughs> in the end, they couldn't tell. <laughs> in, in, in the end, no one went hungry. Or at least the ones that were hungry didn't complain, so it doesn't really matter. But it, the, the, the idea that every watch that comes out is awesome is so prevalent, and I hate it. And we hate it here. Um, and so when you go to TubeWatchTimes.com, you will see reviews like this one for the Archon Sealiner. Archon Sealiner is a somewhat recent micro-brand release from this brand called Archon. The watch is called Sea Liner. And I will sum up the gist of the headline. Uh, I, will sum, I will sum up the gist of the piece by just telling you the headline and then you can go and read because uh, it is an excellent fucking review from Baird Brown. Baird Brown headlines the Archon Sea Liner review thusly. Archon Sea Liner fails to set sail. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a giant fucking watch. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just a lot wrong with the watch. Go and read the review. It's and look check out the photos. Bear did uh, a fucking it, bang up job. It's kind of funny because I think aside well not even the Orient Sun and Moon, but <clears throat> I saw when I realized that the, the bicompacts layout was not for a chronograph and was yeah. for the calendar. The fucking calendar. I thought it was quartz. Because mm. usually you see that configuration with quartz but it's it's a mechanical watch um it is a mechanical miyota where's the fucking thing here miyota 9122 i i want you all to go and read the review because bear does an excellent job of actually just summarizing the right way to do watch review but i will say it is a mechanical miyota 909122 it's a day it, it looks like a chronograph but it's not a chronograph it's it's the day and then the month, and the only thing I'll say about that is that this is a eleven hundred dollar watch. Pesos? No, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry. USD, not pesos. Whew, got them mixed up. You know what? You know what's so funny? I was looking at watches. <laughs> I was looking at watches on eBay the other day, and mm-hmm. I, I saw something that I liked, and literally in my head, <clears throat> I, I saw the price and I saw the location. And I got really excited because it was like 1,000 something. Okay. And then I saw Mexico and I said, oh, no, this is pesos. This, is, this has to be way less. <laughs> Score. <laughs> but then That's I remember that awesome. eBay converts it for you. <laughs> they do based on where you're, yeah, where you're based. So that sucks. <laughs> That's the way my brain works. <laughs> so, yeah, go to Milwaukee.com, Check it out. Also, this week coming up, there's going to be a lot of new fun balance cock bugle pieces. If you're not familiar, the balance cock bugle is your only trusted source for watch news. Not really. It's basically the orological version of the onion, which we've uh, created here at Two Book Watch Knobs, mainly being worked on by Damon Bailey, TBW's contributor extraordinaire, and myself when I'm able to. And also, please... Stop thinking these are real. And if you have opinions about like, oh, the bell is called Bugle, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, when you guys create your own free podcast and your own free watch website, you can write about as many Timex fucking cues as everyone else as you that you want. You can you can you can eat and regurgitate as much vomit as you'd like. But on TBWS, we're we're just going to do our own thing and you can go fuck yourself. I'm calling it right now. I think Damon's gonna get a peabody. For this he should 
I think he should. <laughs> or the Mark Twain Award. Pork and Los Dos, dude. Why not? I mean, at this point, you know what I mean? I think we're in both camps. I think we're in both camps. We're two feet firmly in the Mark Twain Award and a Peabody. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. But yeah, go and check out the site. Stop telling us your negative opinions about Bouncecock Google. It's for entertainment. If you cannot be entertained by those, then we don't want you listening to the show. It is my goal, Michael, by episode 200 to have no listeners. I must, I must chastise and, and, and just, just cast a person, aspersions upon our listeners to the point where even the ones who love us are like, okay, fuck these guys. And they just stop listening. <laughs> and the only people that listen to the show are going to be your dad. And <laughs> he does still, he does still listen to it. He does, he does like it. My family still doesn't even know I do this show. <laughs> I was in the New York Times, Michael, and I could never tell them. That's like a proper Edgar Allan Poe story. Like, I, there's all these wonderful achievements for this thing you built from nothing, and you can tell no one. No, actually, that's, that's probably more of a Twilight Zone episode. My glasses break before I can read now that I finally have peace. That's kind of more, more in the vein of the Twilight Zone, I feel like. Also, I think we keep going back to these scenarios where you're dead. And then your parents find out all of your secrets where they, but they still outlived you. Yeah. I, that's my favorite future scenario. Some people are just like, yeah, I think about the future. Like I know I love my wife because my wife is there. It's like, oh, I think about the future. I know I'm living in the right town because when every time I do that, I think of the town in my head. Yeah. Every time I think about the future, I'm dead. <laughs> all my loved ones have outlived me and I'm just dead. I've been thinking a lot about death recently. Um, actually, uh, do you ever, uh, as like you know, like you do, do you <laughs> do you ever watch Great British Bake Off on Netflix, Michael? No, but I know you really like it. It's a fun show. It's a fun show, and uh, the it's very charming. It's very wholesome. They still create drama appropriately, but it's not like cheap thrills drama. You want everyone to succeed. Uh, but when at the end of the show, when someone has to go home, it's always like, oh, you know, uh, Alex, you're our star baker. And unfortunately, the person not joining us next week is Kevin. And then they play some very wholesome, but matter of fact, conclusion piano, soft piano music. And they cut to like uh, the interview and it's like, and, 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 and Alex is like, yeah, I know, I knew it was time. You know, I knew it was time. And they're playing the nice music and everyone's hugging and saying, oh, it's been great. You know, oh, keep in touch, blah, blah, blah. And then that person just kind of goes away. That's what I kind of want death to be like. This very charming, wholesome conclusion, not the screaming, agonizing sorrow pit that is probably going to be for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely going to starve naked in the street. We'll be there with you. We'll be there together clutching our Peabody that we stole from Damon. We went to Damon's house. We Because I'm, I'm sure he lives in one of those painted Victorians in San Fran. We, we, we went to Damon's house to see if he could lend us um, $2. And then when he had his back turned, we stole his Peabody. And then we, we died. We died in the streets together. As God intended, Michael, you and I, hand in hand on stolen property. Right? That's exactly it. We wouldn't be the only starving Peabody winners in San Francisco, I'm sure. All right? That's true. Can't eat one. You <laughs> can't eat one unless it's made of chocolate. Here, let's do this. Uh, episode 199. <laughs> that, that was about 10 minutes of death. <laughs> but whatever. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's just, it just on my mind a lot recently. I don't know. It's, it's, right. getting, it's getting... It's um, 
This is an inappropriate segue to honoring Sean Connery's memory, but I mean, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you were listening to the two more watch knobs. Uh, let's 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 get to the main main topic here. We had the idea to kind of pivot this episode really last minute to talking about Sean Connery, and I think both you and I, without really agreeing to it, were just like, okay, what non James Bond watches? can we possibly talk about, you know? <clears throat> and so, and the other question that I think kind of came up from that is, is Sean Connery a watch person? You know, as a watch podcast, we have to try and keep as watch focused as possible. Was Sean Connery um, a watch person? So I think both you and I did some like, kind of Googling, you did way more and you're gonna know way more uh, about this than, than, than I do, but I would love to just kind of, um, Let's highlight some of the more interesting pieces that he wore during the James Bond time. And then yeah. we talked about like maybe sharing proper affordable versions of some of that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. just because I think that's something that really gets annoying. It's always one of those like, um, oh, you know, James Bond wore this on the screen or whatever. And you're a piece of shit if you buy like an homage, like if you... Like what? Like what do you mean you can't actually track down something close to the time period of this fucking Rolex? And it's just it, I I don't like when people make other watch collectors feel bad because they want to they want to get like a Steinhardt or yeah. they really want to own a micro brand that specializes in paying tribute to some of these really classic pieces. I'm not going to say names, but another uh, watch podcast recently was shitting on Steinhardt, which I think to me sheds light on the fact of regardless of how you try to position yourselves or communicate to the audience, every single person out there just holds on to these exclusionary just watch just pretentious bullshit viewpoints. <clears throat> yeah. And I think I think the dogma of hating homages is still maybe actually worse than ever. It's just so annoying. It's just like, and it's it's funny because I'm full homage mode right now. I've right. I've, I've purchased two. I think in the we're in, the in full homage and full quartz mode. All right. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We've gone. We are totally. We are we are, we are we are the punk rock pod, watch podcast, dude. Like we are actually yeah. counterculture. We're not going to sit here and tell you, oh, it's not worth buying if it's not Swiss, or oh, it's not worth buying if it's not you know mechanical, or like oh no, don't buy that watch. Save up an extra two thousand dollars and buy buy this watch instead. Like yeah. if anyone says either of those things to you, you, you can kick them in the balls or in the fucking vagina or whatever the fuck they got. And just run because that person is trying to lead you astray. You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially with some of the watches that we're going to talk about today. I, I mean, you know, one of them is obviously the elephant in the room. That's that's the big crown sub, um, the Breitling, uh, a watch that we found that he wore just kind of off screen. I, I didn't find any others besides that one. By the way, I don't know. I don't know what you found. Breitling, or do you mean uh, the off screen watch? The the... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, did, I couldn't find anything else. I couldn't find. But I, don't th but I don't think Sean Connery was a watch guy. I don't think he was a watch guy in the same way that 
I think he's a watch guy in and this is this is okay, this is totally not on purpose, this is by accident. It's another James Bond actor. I think he's a watch guy in the same way Pierce Brosnan is, where Pierce Brosnan appreciates certain facets of luxury branding. Mm-hmm. So like he has like Panerai, Pierce Brosnan has Panerai and Vacheron Constantine and the Omegas, obviously, but he's not. I can't imagine he's going to sit there and expound upon the niceties of the master coaxial. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a watch person who appreciates like a, like a luxury brand, which is awesome, yeah. which is a great thing. And I, I think the same's probably to be said of of Sean Connery, but. I want to start with, like you said, the elephant in the room. Let's talk about this Rolex. It's the the, the Rolex that gets uh, obviously always associated with with John Connery because he wore it on screen as um, as Jaime Bond. Can we? <clears throat> is there a parody? Hi, Jaime is James. Is Jaime James or no? Yeah, I, I think no, it's no, James. No, Santiago yeah. is James, isn't it? What? What is, hold on, what is, what is James in Spanish? You think you, I was born in Florida, then you know a little bit of fucking Spanish. James in Spanish. I think, I think you were closer with Jaime. I think I was closer with Jaime, man. What is Spanish? Diego. What? What? We're way off. And in reverse, James can be translated into Spanish not only as Diego, but as Iago, Jacobo, Santiago. Also, these days, it's... An unusual Spanish name, Jaime, used in relate used in translation of James. So we're all kind of wrong and kind of right, just like God intended. <laughs> Perfect. You know what I'm saying? The, the best kind of right. The best kind of right. <laughs> but he wore, uh, and I wrote it down because we were talking about it yesterday. This is definitely more of a Michael topic. So you guys heard me speak for an hour and a half last week about goddamn Sylvia watches. <laughs> this is a watch I don't know much about, though. This Rolex Submariner reference six five three eight. This is the this is what people <clears throat> colloquially refer to as the big crown. The big crown, right? Yeah. So the six five around this time, you got two different references. The six five. 36, I believe, which was a very similar watch, I think, in every way, but it has a tiny crown. And then the 6538, which is actually the big crown. And that one was manufactured between 56 and 59. Mm. Um, and that is the 6538, uh, whether it's a four, I can't remember. I think on screen in that shot that everybody loves, I just it's sent a you two line. I just sent you. Um... This Hodinky piece that dated a while ago, where they found one. Oh, okay, there you go. And they and, and and they got the photo from Doctor No in here. There you go. So the so in the photo <clears throat> you can see that it's a it looks like a two line. Yeah, so a two line six five three eight. Um, again, that that probably made between fifty six and fifty nine, uh, and that is that is almost the ultimate James Bond submariner. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because with a lot of the two lines, you get the graduations in the bezel for the first 15 minutes. But hmm. this one and the famous shot does does not have that. Or if it does, it's hard to see. Oh, no, you're right. I, I don't think I see it. I'm sure, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they varied. You know, I, I'm sure there were some two line six five three eights with with the bezel markings and probably some without maybe it got re, re, maybe got rebezeled during a service who knows yeah who knows? Or, or maybe the examples that i have seen have been you know have service parts but right. usually yeah the the look is a six five three eight big crown that crown is actually eight millimeters oh wow <laughs> it's a big that's huge 
it's a big, big chunky crown. Um, and I think, you know, looking back at, at in, in this, in this part of Submariner history, the watch, I, I think the Submariner was created first and foremost as just a very rugged watch. But if you look at, if you look at very, very early Submariners, like the earliest Submariners, they're almost closer to, to dress watches. They have, mm. you know, these dainty little pencil hands. They're very, very slim. Um, I think some were even manual winding very early on, but nothing, nothing like the sports watch that you would think, think the Submariner would eventually evolve into. I think the 6538, mm. not necessarily <clears throat> the 6536 with the, the tiny little crown, but the 6538 to me represents this time when Rolex was messing with the Submariner and thinking, all right, we just got to beef this thing up. What do we do? <laughs> Eight millimeter brevet crown. <laughs> and it's just, it's so, it's so perfect. I, I think, I think in that scene in the movie, that scene comes right after the, the typical larger than life spy trope where he, where he pulls off the scuba suit and there's a perfectly pressed white tux underneath. <laughs> I think you're right, actually. <laughs> and so, you know, and then he and then he checks it and then the bomb goes off. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of that's exactly what you would expect out of uh, a spy a spy watch that's meant to to handle anything. And I guess what I was oh sorry. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. What I was I was curious about is is this watch. Why did they have him wear this watch? This is the heat because it, it, Ian Fleming wrote wrote this watch into the books, right? Or is that like a misnomer? He wrote the watch into the books, but in the books, in the text, it was only ever referred to as a Rolex Oyster Perpetual. Oh, okay. And it's funny because I think Ian Fleming wore either just an Oyster Perpetual or like a 1016, some kind of explorer. Hmm. Um, it's just funny that a lot of people look back into the books and they, they try to think, okay, what is the actual James Bond watch? And it might be something more along the lines of an explorer, which I think is just as cool. Oh, agreed. I wonder why they chose this. Is Was this like appropriate for... Who would be wearing this watch in the 50s? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like trying to create or at least expound on the narrative, why would James Bond wear this watch? Well, if... I think Bond, I think Bond is, you know, he was a navy. He was a navy man. He's a navy um, man. Yeah, a, a diver. And then I think, as they started to make the movies, and and honestly, the technology that was portrayed in the movies kept on progressing with technology in real life. So I think, much in the same way, they put a twelve-hour bezel on that Seamaster to, I guess, uh, portray a jet-setting Bond that also <laughs> wanted a dive watch. Uh, maybe this this would have been around the time when Rolex advertising really started to to nail down that these were the best watches you could possibly buy. Yeah. It's it's a it's a Rolex. It's a Rolex watch. It's the best that you can possibly get and um I mean just it's the perfect time to put it on how, on the wrist of somebody like Sean Connery. How mad do you think Rolex was when the hour hand was covering the entire Rolex uh, logo? How mad do you think they were? <laughs> I don't think they were that mad because I'm sure they they didn't have at, at this early on. I don't think they had that many stringent um, agreed co branding or or um, like endorsement guidelines or whatever. But I think it's still it's still a hell of a shot, and it's it's probably it's probably the most famous movie wristwatch shot. 
you yeah. can possibly think of. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of anything else. The only other one for me would be another James Bond film when Pierce Brosnan used his Seamaster as a fucking laser and mm-hmm. cut his way out of the bottom of that train. That when, yeah. when I was a kid, that was a very impressionable watch shot for me. <laughs> I think probably in the same way that this watch shot when it first came out was very impressionable for folks um, who were watching it when the when the film was still contemporary at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you have you have folks even arguing. You, I I shit you not. I'm I'm not joking when I tell you that okay. there are there are vintage NOS issued strap collectors out there. People that collect straps that were supposed to be issued okay. to say the British Navy or you know some some branch of the military, right? Where they they will geek out about the strap in the shot as well because people say it's a NATO, people say it's just like a, oh. it's an RAF, but it's not. It's it's more along the lines of a piece of nylon with a buckle on it, so it's it's closer to a single pass. Interesting. That's kind of cool. cool. What is um, this pattern? Is this like so, like modern? Do we refer to this as the regimental pattern, or is that something else? That's what people say, regimental. regimental. I have no clue. I have no clue where the pattern comes from. Maybe it has something to do with with uniform. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, but it, it's again, that's that's the old school bond, and then the new school is is the black and the gray. So cool! What a great shot. I wonder how many times it took them to like to like. Do you think they did the shot in one take? I would like to hope so. I would like to hope so. Look at the distortion on the on the markers for for seven and eight o'clock. Gives you an idea of how big that crystal probably was. Yeah. So so cool. But that's yeah. Again, that that is that's kind of the Sean Connery watch, and it. uh, I'm I'm kind of glad because he he. Sean Connery Bond in the movies, for the most part, had two watches. Yeah, he had he had his he has he had his rugged watch and he had that that groan or groin. Groin, you say that? I say groin. groin. So he he had his he had his fuck around watch and he had his dress watch, <laughs> and that's that's kind of he's a two watch man. Yeah, Sean Connery Bond is almost the watch collector that we hope we can be, the two-watch collection. He actually did it. He did it. And he, and he was James Bond. He was James Bond. If I have to be a James Bond caliber human being to achieve my logical goals, I should just abandon my goals. Yeah, I, I feel like when you get into the Roger Moore years, he had 40 Seikos. They <laughs> <laughs> were just trying to push into We should the, aim for Roger Moore level of our logical goals, not, not Sean Connery, right? I mean... Uh, I don't know, man. But Granddad, I, no. Aside from that, I don't think these were. I don't think. I don't think these were Cosk certified. I don't think there was anything real fancy with these. Um, well, here you know, let, let's let's do this just to keep moving because I know I know time is short on your end. What would be an appropriate, affordable homage to this watch that you could feel proud wearing for not a lot of money? Oh, I've you, never. You, you sent me one, didn't you? Yeah, I've never seen anyone do a better job at nailing down this look than WMT, which is so WMT watches. They're they're based in Hong Kong, and uh, they, they they even have it on the tiny NATO in the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and that cool. that one that one is actually sold out. So that that was <laughs> they call it the Sea Diver MI six zero one zero Intelligence Agency Special Edition. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> and it was they they nailed the look a hundred percent. They give it to you on a sixteen millimeter strap. Actually, 
Wow. When you buy it, it comes on 16 millimeter strap, and uh, I think the lugs are 20, 20 millimeters or something like that. So. 38 millimeters diameter, 46 millimeter length, 13.5 millimeter case thickness. Yeah. So cool. Yes, yeah, strap and size 16. So those you you can't get those anymore. They'll they'll probably come out with a similar version. But the the cool thing about WMT, and it really makes me want to get one. Uh, again, they're they're a watch customization site, and you can make a watch that looks kind of just like that one. It's called the Sea Diver, mm-hmm. and I've customized one. I don't think I can share this exact configuration with you, but I'll I'll share the page where you can build one. Um, they call it the sea diver. It's, it's a big crown. I have the bezel there, the hands. The only thing that I can't seem to nail is the dial. Mm. Um, mine came out with more of a Tudor smiley face dial, but for 350 bucks, I mean, that works. NH, NH35. And again, the measurements are 38 millimeter diameter, 46 lug to lug, 13.5 thick, um, 20 millimeter lugs and H35. Yeah, kind of solid, solid, big, big crown look for just 350. That's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. That would be my pick. That's a good one. This <laughs> is a good one. What about, okay, so we, we, we mentioned the Gruen, because I actually, I think I have something that could work as an affordable thing for this Gruen, but this Gruen here, in particular, it's this uh, Gruen Precision, and I'm sorry for saying Gruen wrong. I don't know anything. Ruin Precision 510, 510. Mm-hmm. This is totally his, uh, like, like yeah, I guess I'm not diving my dress watch or whatever, you know. Pretty appropriate looking for the time period in regards to, like, the uh, the style of the dial and the, the, the numbers and everything. I don't know a whole lot about this watch, but I'll tell you right now, if you like the look of this watch, you can get a Bambino small seconds. Oh, yeah. That's true. Let me look at that. Bambino. I don't know about those. They're they're really nice too. They're a lot of fun. I don't know if you can get it in this kind of uh, colorway, but it looks pretty damn close to this Gruen. There's a there's a gold version. Yeah, yeah. That'd be my pick. Or if you're one of those people who's just like, I'm not wearing fucking Orion. First of all, fuck you. You can get a very similar look as this Gruen. Um, you could buy a vintage Seamaster. You could buy a vintage Seamaster 30. Um, Omega Seamaster 30. Uh, or you could maybe hunt. I mean, actually, how do you think? <clears throat> are vintage Gruen a thing? That That's what I was about. I, I did a search right now, and it's not a small seconds, but I'm, I'm looking at a Gruen Precision men's watch They're out running. There. Yeah. <laughs> 99 bucks. <laughs> See some here, four hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, I, I see one that's a small seconds, and it looks like it's gold with a matching bracelet, and that's four fifty. So, you have options. You can hunt down a somewhat appropriate time period actual Gruen if you wanted. Um, there is always a risk with buying vintage watches. Uh, I don't know anything about these watches, so I will, so I can't offer any advice. However, if you want to kind of, um, you know, avoid any weird issues with buying vintage watches or anything like that, you just get this fucking Bambino small seconds, man. Yeah. I think this is a fine fucking option. Yeah. 
Okay. Let's talk. So, 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 the, so that was the two main watches that Sean Connery wore in the in the Bond films. But there was that. Uh, it, this was this was during. Um, oh God, the one. Oh fuck! What was it called? The uh, Thunderball. This is the one from Thunderball, right? There's Brightling. Yeah, I, so the Brightling Top Time, which I don't know much about, and I think it was just for that one film. Yeah, uh, and it's in this freakish kind of case that I that you don't really see with the Top Times. Because I think it was like a Geiger counter. I think it was like a wrist. Because I'm trying to recall the film. <laughs> I think they gave it to him, and it was like a Geiger counter. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, God damn it. Again, I'm here on a dinky. That's fine. These guys know what they're doing. The James Bond Brightling Top Time top time Geiger Counter from Thunderball. Yeah. Let me send yeah. you. I'm, I'm on James Bond Lifestyle, and it says, where's a modified Brightling Top Time chronograph in Thunderball? It's given to Bond by Q and acts as a Geiger Counter. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know what you could get if you liked the you'd like to look at this watch i do oh yeah i'm gonna send it to you right now yes uh, hit me let me show you there is a man here you go what about this of course <clears throat> let's see it come on load yeah i mean this it kind of looks like it right i i i was surprised so what I shared was the the Dan Henry 1964 Gran Turismo chronograph. Yeah. And when he first came out with these, they were those tri-compacts layouts. But he yeah. recently came out with the bi-compacts. So the one that I sent you, he calls it the evil panda <laughs> bi-compacts. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like it's a similar look for 260 bucks. It's definitely, definitely a similar vibe. The case yeah. isn't the same. You're not going to find... A case like this you know what actually oh my god i hold on i have i i might i might have something for the case okay okay let me wait that you can put on the case something similar uh the case uh like like the case shape Hmm. let me let me you tell me if i'm crazy because you could i sent you a link if you pop the bezel off of this if you pop the bezel off of this Vostok Amphibia 710 case, it will look <laughs> like this like this bright like top time Geiger counter. So what you do is <clears throat> buy the Dan Henry, all right, take the dial out. Buy the Amphibia, take the dial out, and then put the Dan Henry dial in the Amphibia, pop the bezel off, boom, good to go. <laughs> that's that's going to be fr- quite, quite the Franken watch. Right? Yeah. What do you think? Am I crazy? <clears throat> I, th- I think it's worth trying. It's not that much money. <laughs> that much money. Yeah, legitimately, we're talking about um, $300, probably. Yeah. You know? I'm trying to find an image of the 710 case without a bezel. Oh, dude. Here, come on. You could just buy the case by itself without the bezel. I'm st- this, this is it. We solved it. We cracked it. <laughs> we cracked the code. Look at this. Oh goddamn! It's the same link. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah, on, hold same on, link. hold on. I promise. <laughs> I was like, huh? I, I promise, I'm not crazy. There's something on the wing. Let me send you this here. Let's take a look. Oh yeah. Ah. Uh, 
I got them side by side, huh? You know what's crazy? And we, <laughs> I, I showed you that that uh, breakdown of the uh, the Doctor Jones costume. Yes, from that prop for you That's can probably crazy. find you can probably find people that uh, made the watch. Probably just finding parts like this. Probably. Um, so you're, you're, I'm, I'm sure you're not far off. We did it, guys. <laughs> we figured out how to make this bright like Geiger counter. So th- those are the three watches that he wore, that Sean Connery wore on screen as James Bond. End stop. That Rolex, uh, this Big Crown 6538, the Gruen Precision 510, and this Bright Lake Top. End stop. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, other Bonds were other watches. That's fine. This is probably the point in time to say, I think Sean Connery hated the James Bond thing after a little while. I, I-, I heard and seen a bunch of quotes from him just being really upset that people kept associating him with James Bond. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I get. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's gonna happen. You know, yeah. too crazy, man. But here, let's do this. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about this watch that I guess he just wore? He just because he felt like wearing it. Yeah. It, so after after I found this, um, and this is on, we talk about Jake's Rolex world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jake keeps a. He keeps a pretty vast network of websites. Uh, the Rolex one is his most famous one, but he has one for Patek. He has one for cars. He has one for the streets of San Francisco, presidents, architecture. So he, he runs this network of blog sites that are just, I guess, based on his interests. Mm. And we've, we found this on PanoramaMagazine.com, which belongs to Jake. And we found out that Sir Sean Connery was pictured wearing a Panerai Radiomir, specifically the PAM 190, with an eight-day power reserve. Multiple times. Multiple times. And if if anything could kind of pull me back to that time when I was in Vegas and I saw that dude <laughs> wearing wearing that Luminor, just like, yeah, he's he's got it figured out. Sean Connery has things figured out yeah, right figured here. Out. <laughs> with this Radiomir. It on looks his incredible on him. Yeah, it's it's very much in its in its rightful place. This is the only watch that we were able to find of him wearing off screen, not for an event. It's literally literally one of them is him at like I guess what it, what is this uh, in the Bahamas U.S. Open? And then, so yeah, the the first one is him at the U.S. Open in 2012. Apparently, and he's just wearing a Panerai. And the second one is like from I don't know. It didn't say what year, but it just says he <laughs> was photoed in the Bahamas. Oh yeah, he's dancing. Is dancing and he's just wearing the watch. I'm gonna go out and say this might be the closest thing we can possibly pinpoint as his just watch, his everyday watch. It might have been his one watch. It, cool it'd be hard. That? It would be hard to know. I like. I like that it says this photo was taken at the annual party Sir Sean Connery and his wife have every year for their friends. Yep. I want to have a party for my friends every year in the Bahamas. Want to come? Yeah, I mean, I would love to do that too, but you're you're my friend. You're the old, you're my only friend. So it's okay. We can have a party with dancers and drums, and you know, that would be my dream. That would be my dream. My dream would be to throw a party where there's more entertainment and waitstaff than there are guests. It's just thirty servers, and then me and you. That'd be the party. By the way, on this site, the uh, the search is pretty interesting because you have this long list of categories and tags. Yeah. These articles are massive, so you can find, you know, you can find references, 
You can find people. I just found Rob Lowe, I guess. Here's a photo <laughs> of him. Salma Hayek with a Panerai. That's fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, I love I love that he wore this off screen and gosh, I don't know. It's it, a beautiful it, watch. Look at these. I love the wire style lugs. I used to hate the Radio Mirror. Really? To be honest. I used to be 100% Luminor, mm. but having a Luminor makes you want a Radio Mirror. As snobby as that sounds. (laughs) (laughs) So if there are any Panerai haters out there, suck it, nerds. John Connor wore a Panerai. What's an affordable version of this? That is an excellent motherfucking question. I mean, I would just say Parnas, obviously. (laughs) That's the go-to, but you owned one of those and you hated it. (sighs) I hated it, but it was so long ago. It's hard for me to really nail down what i disliked mm. the crown the crown action that where you where you unlatch the little thing that was super loose it was oh, it yeah. felt like it was gonna fly off every time um but let's see parnas radio mirror 78 bucks that doesn't look like it <laughs> whatever yeah, aren't there some brands that make Panerai homages or watches that kind of look like it? Like micro brands? Um, for a long time, you could construe the Benares slash Steverall dudes, Steve Lawlin and Ralph, as kind of doing that dial style. But these days, I don't really know. Let me see something. Radio so, homage. Some people, this isn't really the same case shape, but some people um, mod uh, uh, Bostocks to look like Panerai. Check this out. Oh, look at that. The handsome watch, right? He put a fixed smooth bezel on here. Nice um, outfit, too. Jeez. Yeah, right. This guy's not fucking around. Fuck. <laughs> right? This is an interesting option. If you like this, if you like the style. That is such a good name. A Pamphibia. Oh my god, that's great. Pamphibia. <laughs> We're gonna share this link in the show notes. Shout out to Reddit user. Ooh, here we go. <clears throat> uh, BW B E E E D O U B L E Y O U B W from uh from nine months ago uh, time of this recording is november 1st 2020 two days before our u.s election gird your fucking loins um this is uh, pamphibia is great but this I, i've seen this before people have done this um style before i think you can i think actually what they probably did was they just i think they just swapped the bezel out because i think there is an amphibia that comes very close to this naturally with that dial? With the dial. Hmm. Let me see here. What do you do in that case? Do you pull off the bezel and then put a smooth be- bezel? Yes. Just lock it in place? You just click it on. Oh. I have one for my 420 case that I fuck around with every now and then. That's pretty cool. Let me see here. No, that's not it. That's kind of it. My God, Vostok, I get it. You you think we want scuba dudes, but we don't always want scuba dudes. <laughs> I miss my scuba dude. Hey man, you can get another one. Yeah. I'll be I'll be your friend. Um <laughs> can't find it. 
and it might not make it anymore. But that's an affordable option thing. You can hunt down one of these amphibia. Ah, fuck my ear. That looks like this Pam. Um, yeah, it's totally appropriate for me in a Sean Connery slash James Bondish episode to suggest two Soviet watches. That's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> and he he was the one in that scene, right, with the with the Russian clock you talk about sometimes from Russia with uh, from Russia with love. That oh, was yeah. great. Yeah, they had that like um, controlled explosion beneath like the. Uh, Russian embassy or something like that in Istanbul and uh, you know Bond said it and he goes in the lobby and he's waiting for it to go off and he's looking at the clock um, and the clock you know says it's the time the bomb is supposed to go off but then James you know looks at his watch and then he notices they're not matching up so he goes to the the person at the front I guess the clerk the receptionist dude and um, he says something like uh, what is like like uh, like oh is your clock right and the guy goes Russian what Russian clocks are always on time and like clearly clearly it wasn't you know what I mean so but yeah that was from Russia with love there there's a lot of watch and clock love in uh in these Sean Connery Bond movies mm. you think it's a case of this emergence of watch brand advertising in film at the time or do you think some of the prop masters were just kind of watch geeks i think it was the fact that at the time your watch actually fucking mattered it's not like today where you just you just use your cell phone for everything like there was and and you could be you could be nowhere near uh i'm trying to think of a way to phrase it there, it was incredibly common for you to be by yourself and to not know what fucking time it was unless you wore a watch. Yeah. You couldn't check the screen at the fucking mall. You couldn't uh, check your fucking phone. You couldn't check the stupid Times Square giant screen. You just buy your fucking stuff. Be like, oh, I wonder if it's two or five. I don't I don't know. You know what I mean? Town, towns did have their own clock towers. There might have been a clock tower. But you you had to have your watch or your pocket watch in some cases. Yeah. So I think I think the prevalence of like time and watches and clocks in these movies was just a result of the time. Yeah, like yeah. like that you know that's that's a fun that's a, that's a funny pun. Uh, just a result of just the contemporary nature and viewpoint on time telling you know back then we take we take it for so fucking granted to just pull our phone out of our pocket and be like oh it's one thirty seven and forty seconds and you, yeah. you know what I mean like that's that's outrageous, dude. So I think that's why the time thing is so prevalent, just because that's just the way it was. God, this Panerai is gorgeous. How much is this fucking thing? I'm going to do this. How much is this fucking thing? Pam 190. I'm curious. There's yeah. a very similar version on David SW now for like three and a half. That's but it's But it's not, not the eight day. It's, it's the Black Seal. It's not. Again, Panerai is one of those brands that... Mm, well, funny I, coming from me you should you shouldn't buy a retail well i'm uh well that was different michael you michael you were in firenze okay <laughs> firenze you were swept up in the the the, the you know the, the the intoxicated by the culture you were riding on vespas and saying ciao to strangers you it's were the caught. closest it's the closest i'll ever get to touching tips with sylvester stallone yes you were caught in the cultural <laughs> sure. impetus of touching tips with sylvester stallone all right <laughs> that's just what it was man who could blame yeah. you? But I don't know why. I expect this to be like a crazy, uh, well, expensive watch. I don't know. I think he, I think he's got. I, I think that's a forty-seven, which I which I just immediately rule out in my head. 
He's what does that mean? 40, oh, millimeter? Yeah, 47 millimeter pan rise. Well, so pan, this one, this gonna, one has... If anyone's going to wear it, it's... Well, this, I have it here, Pan 190 is 45 millimeter on Gothberg. Oh, 45, okay. Oh, God, is this, is Gothberg, Gothberg and Watchbox are friends, right? I think they're the same thing. This has got to be a Tim Maso video. <laughs> there he is. Let me send this to you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Maso. I haven't had a drink of water in four days. I'm here with the Panerai 190H series. It's just like, God, we got to do it. We got to do it. They lock him up. They lock him up. He has to make 100 videos a day. You got to do 100 <laughs> videos a day, Tim, and then you'll get a thimble of water spat at you through the bars. Like, okay, you know. <laughs> I just said should have stayed in the Navy. <laughs> it would have been better, man. See, see the world, fresh air, good work. You know, if he does, if, if if he does listen to this, I hope he realizes that this is hopefully in good humor. We're all we're all friends. I I think I I I think we recommended his videos as like one of the best like sources for just like watch videos or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're incredible. It's yeah, like definitely. it's like Rain Man knowledge, you know. <laughs> but yeah, this is a video that he did, and um, you get some cool uh, cool shots in here. <clears throat> Am I crazy if I get a if I get a radio mirror? I don't think so. So wasteful. Yeah, agreed. All all this watch collecting thing we do is wasteful, but. As humans, we have to cling to whatever little things make our day-to-day a little more enjoyable. So in the end, was Sean Connery the watch guy that we, we kind of hope to be, but can never be? Sean Connery is... No, I should correct myself with, with apologies. Sean Connery was the watch guy that I aspired to be, but he was not the watch guy I expected him to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's Pretty probably the... Most appropriate way I can phrase it. He's just a guy who wore a watch. He did good work. He knew what he wanted to do. What I love is that I love his attitude just towards working also. There are some actors from his generation specifically also who the acting mentality was you take any work you can get. Any job, any acting job that you get, you take because like this was also there was also a period of time where like the idea of like an actor was not this like, oh, I'll do one movie a year for thirty five million dollars and then you'll never see me until I need more. Check. You know what I mean? So it was the idea of like you you take whatever work you get. That's why you see Ben Kingsley in everything from fucking Gandhi to Blood Rain. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure he was in the Blood Rain movie. The, I, the, I never the, saw it. The video game with, 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 I think the, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you take whatever fucking roles you can get, but, um, I think after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, which is, uh, it's a, it's a comic book film based on an Alan Moore graphic novel. Uh, after that, John Connery's experience with filmmaking and working with directors and just kind of what it had become was so distasteful for him. He's just like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Every, I'm not doing this again. He just stopped acting. <laughs> he just chose to stop acting and just enjoy himself. Until The Rock. Until the well, <laughs> I think The Rock was before League of Orange Gentlemen. Oh, that's true, yeah. I think League of Orange Gentlemen was the last movie I remember seeing him in. Take the shot, Josh. I mean, his, his name wasn't Josh in the movie, it was Josh Hartman. I can't remember the actual character's name. You know what I mean? rock was so good the rock was so okay so here let's do this okay we have a couple minutes left before i gotta let you go 
Hey, what did he wear in The Rock? A G-Shock <clears throat> or nothing? I don't know. Probably let's, nothing. Let's, let's he, told the, he told the time with the tides. He told the... <laughs> That's how he kept track. He told the time with the tides, General Sir. Let's see here. Uh, the Rock Shot. Great, great movie, by the way. Really great. You that's, refer to him as go-to. General Sir, you know? That's the go-to that's the go-to wife is out of town movie for me. Like I just I have the house to myself. That's I'm gonna have one. a bag yeah. of chips for dinner. I'm gonna watch The Rock. Yeah, that's a good one. The Rock, Sean Connery, wrist watch. Uh, personally, I think you're a fucking idiot, genital star. The wild by the same, No, nothing. It's just, it's just the stupid fucking Rolex. You cannot type in James Bond or not James. Goddamn, I'm doing it now. You can't type in Sean Connery wristwatch without getting these fucking Rolexes. Totally. Yeah. Whatever. That's, that's all you, you. You have to see. You have to Google Sean Connery rock or something. That's and then and then kind of pick it out on your own, man. Here's the thumbs up. Genital star. But here, um, so you're so so. Let's do this. Let's let's end the episode by saying our favorite or like least I guess or most memorable Sean Connery roles for you. It was Mason in The Rock. It sounds like absolutely, yeah. I I was never because of course when I think of my Bond. That's going to be Pierce Brosnan, and yeah. that's obviously, that's, you know, that's Yermai's, the role that defines him. Yeah, yeah. that's Yermai's generation. I the, the, the only movie experience that I recall where my father got excited, gathered us all up in the car, was, was bright as a tulip, because my dad's not like that. We never had, um, like, family excursions or, like, like, things where we gathered to do them as a family, except when Goldeneye came out. My dad's my dad loves Bond. He gathered all, all all of us dumbasses in the car. He drove us to fucking Aventura, Aventura Mall, British Aventura Mall, um, to watch Goldeneye in the movie theaters. We got the souvenir cup, the souvenir Goldeneye cup <laughs> from the from the the concession stand. We use it to keep changing by our front door at home. Now that's that's the cup's role. Um, so for me, my Bond as a thirty four, uh, no thirty three. I turned thirty four in a month. Who as a thirty three year old. Man, my James Bond's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, so yeah. I'm with you on that. You know, but um. Yeah. Oh, so you're you're, the, you're you're you're. I gotta you're, watch The Rock today. I know, right? Your most memorable uh, uh, non-Bond Connery role was Mason. For sure, I, I saw. I think when I was maybe nine, and I, that's also the first time that I saw a dude's face melt off. Um, <laughs> the, the, the vaporize the, the body of vaporize. Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. For me, it's Henry Jones Sr., Indiana Jones, yeah. Last Crusade. I mean, there's just something so antithetical to your typical understanding of Sean Connery as this rough and tough Dr. No action star. He's a fucking medievalist. He's a book nerd. You Fun fact, I mean? there's also face melting in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We got two face melters here for you guys. Too good. Oh no! Wait, that's Lost Ark, isn't it? There's face oh, melting and, in the Lost Ark, and, 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 and he, he, he <laughs> chose unwisely. He did not choose wisely. <laughs> that's the cup of a carpenter. All right, guys. Yeah, oh, for me, boy. it's Henry Jones Sr. There's just something about the that film where I don't know. I just it was so believable. He struck that perfect chord of being this like aloof, 
but really intelligent, kind of father figure. And him and Harrison Ford had that dynamic on screen perfectly where we've seen Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones as like the guy in charge, blah, blah, blah. But then when he's on screen with Sean Connery, he's his dad's kid. He really mm-hmm. feels like his dad's kid. Junior. Yeah. Junior, what is all this? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, that's not easy. I feel like that's not easy. That was great, great casting. And, but Perfect. here, let's do this. You got to go, right? Yeah. Let's do this. But it's a, I, I think it was a fun episode. I think we really rounded it out. Please let us know if we missed any Sean Connery watches because I feel like we, I, I mean, I, I I tried as hard as I could to look. Same. But like you said, it's fucking impossible to type in Sean Connery wristwatch and not get the Rolex. There yeah. has to be more. If someone um, knows, let us know. You and know? if there's not, that's 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 just as cool because that means he probably just had that Panerai. Yeah. Suck it, Panerai haters. Suck it long and suck it hard. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. But here, let's do this episode 199 in honor of Sean Connery. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Go check out the website. Check out Baird, uh, Baird's review of this Archon C-Liner thing. Um, also, let us know your thoughts on just the discussion. You know, Michael and I wanted to keep it loose and just really try and do... Try and do justice to someone that I think, yeah. We should all pay tribute to the non-Bond roles that, you know, this guy did and worked on. Like, for yeah, for, for me, I'm always going to just, yeah, Henry Henry Jones Sr., man. That's it. I'm going to go watch Spotting on the Rock today. Oh, There's got to be something. Do it. It's probably a G-Shock. <laughs> it's, probably a G- it's probably a G-Shock probably. or nothing. Yeah. You know? All right. Let's do it. It's about to rain over here. It's a sad day. The black day. That's okay. Um, is that sad time? Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. And this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Watch Snobs. Later. Later.